Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. To the side, I want to share it with your people. So if you would, clear my mind, clear my heart, clear my thoughts of everything that may have happened a few hours ago. And let me focus all of my attention on you. Because at the end of the day, the truth is you are in control, not me. This is your service. This is your flock. And I'm only your representative. So God, in these next few moments, I pray that I represent you like never before. I pray, oh God, that you are pleased with the words that flow from my mouth and that you are pleased with your representation today. Oh, God, if you would, let me focus all of my energies on worshiping you and praising you with these words today. And let these words bypass the ears of the listeners, but rest on the heart and the souls of everyone in attendance. Oh, God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm really digging this series. It's speaking to my life in ways unimaginable. Uh, I just want to share something with you. It's it's a bit of good news, and I'm excited about it. We do podcasts, and if you don't know, we, we have podcasts available. Uh, as we've put this uh, message up on the podcast, so far it has almost been our most popular series to date. I posted up on our website just uh, on Monday. The very next day, less than 24 hours, we had like 60-some hits immediately, people playing. So this word is ministering to people who are not even here, people in other places. I mean, this word has been incredible. It's, it's really building lives. For the past seven days, there's been well over almost 200 plays of this message. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we all have this image of ourselves that we think we are. That's our ego. We all have this image of ourselves where either we're not good enough or some of us just think we're too doggone good. And the truth of the matter is that is so far from the truth on either side. It's so far from the truth on either side. So last week we talked about our feelings of being inadequate. And and today we'll talk about our need to be in control. Next week, we'll talk about what our ego tells us, and that is our right to be offended. Our ego tells us that we have a right to be offended about everything or anything. And then we'll finally close it with our longing for approval. Quick question. Everybody participates. How many of you struggle with something that you, with the the whole uh, thought of, I have to be in control, with just any area in your life? Okay, cool, cool. Now, now, don't be so in control that you want to raise your neighbor's hand because they didn't raise it. Because some of y'all are that much, you know, y'all are control freaks to that point. We all try to control certain areas of our lives, whether it's our future, whether it's our schedule. Some of us go to the extreme. We try to control our spouses. We try to control the person we're dating. We try to control our boss, you know. 
in a nice way, try to control the pastor. You know, y'all laughing too hard. You know, we try to control. There's so much stuff we try to control. Some of us, we, we have this switch. We can control, like, uh, we control certain things at work. Like, at work, we're in control. Everything, you know, especially if you're a manager, everything has to go this way. Everything has to be in line. It's, it's you know, following the protocol. But at home, nothing is in order. Nothing, everything's a mess. You don't order, please. You walk in the door, you can barely open your door. You got laundry right there in front of the, I'm not talking to y'all. Y'all just may know some people like that. Some of you have great control at home, but at work, your office desk is like a mess. You know where everything is, but if, if you ask your assistant or your coworker to get something, something off your desk, they can't even find a doggone pen. And you're like, the pen is under like those five stacks of books next to the, the, the thing that's tipped over on the left by the picture that, that uh, my ex-girlfriend from five years ago. A mess, Right? Let me tell you some of the things that me and my wife try to control. My wife has this very, very beautiful garden. And each year, she tricks me. She adds to it. Honey, the boxes are on sale. Let's get another one. I want to add it. I'm like, baby, I think we are breaking some HOA covenants, I'm sure, because eventually we're going to have a farm and it's going to be chickens and we're going to just get put out. She loves her garden, and she should. The stuff that comes out of there is real good. But Broderick cannot touch it. The kids cannot touch it. Do not go near it. I remember trying to be a good husband and try to earn some points. Boy, did I mess up. Baby, you want me to go water your garden? No, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't. But, baby, I mean, you haven't, you're not going to get a chance to. No, don't touch my garden. You might overwater it or underwater it. Just don't, don't look at it. I go out to take the trash out. Where are you going? I'm taking the trash out, baby. Don't touch my garden. Okay, I don't touch your garden. Control for me and every other man in here is called the remote control. Nobody touches the remote. There's only one person in our house that is ordained by God to touch our remote, and that is this guy right here. My wife can control the volume, but I control the channels. Do not change it. I was watching that. My eye was not closed. Don't touch it. You weren't even. Yes, I was. You were looking at Facebook. I was looking like this. One eye was down here. The other one was up here. I was looking at both because men, we are ordained to do that. That's the only time we can multitask when we're watching TV and playing on the internet. God has gifted only us for that. I must have control. And we watch all four, you know, there's only 14 channels we watch, and we actually can watch all of them simultaneously. That's just how we roll as men. We are ordained by God to do that. Those are areas that I control. Let me tell you, there are two broad areas that all of us control in the world. All of us. If you are in control of something, there are two broad areas. Ready? One, people. We are always trying to control people. Your friend, your mama name, your cousin, your neighbor, your co-worker, your boyfriend, your spouse. You going to wear that shirt out today? Really? That don't, that don't even match. You sure? <laughs> you going you to wear that kind of cologne today? Why? <laughs> or, or you, go, you know, we always trying to control 
Men, it's us too. Why did you cook that? I, you know I don't even like that that much. That's the story of my house. You know, why, why are you cooking that? Baby, you know I don't even like that. She said, well, I did ask you like 50 times, and that's the truth. She did ask me, and my, my answer was, whatever you want to cook. And then she cooked something I don't like. We're always trying to control our spouses. Men, we do some silly things. We're always trying to control something. The other broader area that we try to control, circumstances. I bet you all of us have been there. Circumstances. How our job works. We try to control getting that promotion. We try to uh, control uh, staying at the job. We try to control when we get laid off. I got laid off. Oh, my God. You've been praying, God, I hate this job. Bless me with something else. You get laid off. God, I need another job. He's like, yo, I got something else for you, but here you are panicking. And immediately, because of the circumstances, you cut me right out. Go ahead. You know better than me. You know better than God. Go. You call me later. (laughs) That's what God is saying. And why do we try to control people and circumstances? Our ego is out of control. When we do that, we look at it as in life, when you tell a person when you're trying to control their life, this is what you're saying to them. In your life, I know what's best for you. I'm God-like. Circumstances, when we try to control our circumstances and not give them to God, we're looking at them and saying, circumstance, I know how to fix you better than God. I'm God-like. And we say that because our ego is telling us that that's what we should do. Our ego, the image that we have of ourselves is telling us we can do it. You can figure this out. I know it looks messy, but you can do it yourself. You don't need God. You can figure it. You're smart. You got that old degree. You got an MBA. You can figure it out. Truth is, no matter the highest level of education you ever get, there are some things that only God can figure out for you. That's the truth. I don't care. You can go get 500 doctorates, and there are some things in life that you just got to say, you know what? I've read every book. I've talked to as many professionals as possible. What is the flipping answer? It's called the Bible, and, it's, and, it's, and it hasn't changed in thousands of years. The same blueprint. It still works. Believe it or not, it still actually works. I used it the other day, and why wow, did it get me out of the jam? Our ego. This is what Ken Blanchard, the author of The One-Minute Manager, says about ego. I love this little thing he uses. He says, ego is, when you think you know best, ego is edging God out. You are edging God out. I have a scripture for all of us uh, people who love to be in control. If you you have notes, this scripture is there. This is good. This is from the CFV version. It says this. The word says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. And lean on your own understanding. And some of your ways, acknowledge him. And you will make your paths straight. Why are y'all looking at me funny? Y'all never heard the CFE version? The control freak version? What? Y'all ain't never heard that? Okay. Thing is, you have. Because many of us respond to that version of the Bible which doesn't exist, by the way. Many of us live our lives that way. Lean on my own understanding because I'm that doggone smart. I figured this out before. No, you didn't. 
The truth is, this is what Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All of your heart. And do what? Do not depend on your own understanding. It says, do not. Don't. Mm-mm. Don't do that. Depend on your own understanding. It says, what? Seek his. Just for clarification, the his is not mom or dad or neighbor or boss or spouse. His would be the man, the one, the only, the man of the hour, G-O-D, God. His would be him. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You know why we try to be in control? What happens when we're trying to be in control? We end up in this circle of fear, and the circle of fear looks something like this. The more we try to control something, the more we fear losing control. The more we try to control something, the more we fear losing control. Here's the second part of that. The more we fear losing control, the more we try to keep control. Think about that. The minute it seems like life, your life is spiraling out of control, the minute it seems like, man, I can't get my ends close enough to see each other, the minute it seems like we have no means to an end, we immediately begin to take control. And that's the time when God is saying, now I got your attention. Let me work, baby. Let me show you what I can do. I've been doing this for a long time. I got a track record of winning. I've got a track record of pulling some people out of some stuff. As a matter of fact, that's a good transition into what I want to tell you here. A great example of control going bad, a great example of control going bad is Old Testament. And, and, and this, is, this is part of God's repertoire of pulling people out of mess. A good example of control going bad is a story of a cat named Abram. I want to talk about Abram before he became Abraham. See, Abram was promised some things by God, and, and he had this wife named Sarah. Now, Sarah was fine. She was fine. And Abram knew it. And, and God told them to go to a certain land. And, and so Abram took his wife, Sarah, and they were headed to that land, and they had to get through Egypt. And while they were headed to Egypt, before they even got in there, because they knew they were dealing with this cat by the name of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh loved fine women. He loved everything fine, so he wanted to get as many fine wives as he could in his harem. So Abram told Sarah, he says, listen here, baby, we're about to go over here, and you fine. You are, I mean, you are real fine, girl, and, and, and they know you fine. And because they know you fine and they know your pedigree, they know that you are politically connected and you got some money, they're going to try to make you one of their wives. And because I'm your husband, the only way they can make you one of their wives, they would have to kill me because that was the law of the land. Either your husband has to be dead and then another king can claim you or else I can't. You, you can, you could break the law, but they were trying to stay within the law. So this is what you're going to do. I want you to tell them you're my sister. And if you tell them you're my sister, they will spare my life. And, and, but they may just take you under their harem, but it'll be okay. I'll be back to get you. And what do they do? Lie. This here, my sister, she ain't, this ain't my woman. Please. You, we look alike, don't we? Huh? I know she light and I'm dark, but we, we, could, we, we sisters. This, this, you know. So Pharaoh says, yeah, she's fine. I'm going to take her as one of my wives. And all of a sudden, God cursed them. 
God cursed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was like, whoa, 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 homeboy, you lied to me. Why in the world would you lie to me and tell me that this fine sister, why didn't you just tell me she was your wife? Get, get, you know what, get yourself out of here, man. You're causing curses upon me. That's just one example. Y'all want to know the biggest example of someone taking control going bad? Abram again. See, God also promised Abram, after, after he saved him, he changed his name. He said, I'm going to call you Abraham, and I'm going to call your wife Sarah, okay? And this is what I'm going to do. I know you're old. I know you're old. And you, you know, they were in their hundreds, right? I think, I think uh, Sarah was maybe 75 or 175, somewhere like that. They were old. She, she, she hadn't given this man any kids yet. Abram, Abraham wanted more than anything a son, right? And God said to him, he says, check this out. I'm going to give you a bunch of sons. And Abraham, what? My wife can't even have kids. He says, step out the tent. Step out the tent real quick. It was nighttime. And Abraham steps out the tent, and he looks up, and there's a whole bunch of stars. Have you all ever seen the sky at night and all those stars? And this is what God told Abraham. Dig this. He says, I'm going to give you that many sons. Your descendants are going to number as many as the stars. Just follow my lead, right? So Abram goes back and says, baby, we're going to get pregnant. And, and, and we're going to have as many descendants as the stars. God told me. Well, here's what happens. This is when he took control. So he takes control. Well, let me fix that. Sarah takes control. And Sarah's like, my biological ticket's ticking. You told me God was going to bounce with a kid. Where the baby at? Where the baby at? Where the baby at? Where the baby at? You know, and Abraham's doing his part, but ain't nothing happening. Huh? He's doing what he's got to do, and nothing's happening. And Sarah's like, something's wrong here. Tell you what, I got this slave girl by the name of Hagar, and I want you to go ahead and knock boots with her and make us a baby. She took control at that moment. This is where control went bad. What do you think Abraham did? He's a man. <laughs> My wife is giving me permission. Oh, it's on. Like popcorn. Hey, baby. Got some Moscato. You during. They made some things happen. Next thing you know, they got a baby. He got her pregnant. His wife gave him permission. His wife gave him permission. So he did what he's supposed to do. Scripture says it this way. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed. And Sarah's proposal, uh, with Sarah's proposal. And so Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. 10 years after God had promised him what he promised him. So Abram had, you know, sexual relations with her. This is Scripture, not Broderick. Had sexual relations with the Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Oh, you know she was rubbing it in. Walking around, you know, and I can, I can imagine Sarah calling her, Hagar, can you come brush my hair? Sure I can. And then while she's brushing her hair, she's rubbing her pregnant belly all up against her. Do you feel that? <laughs> Don't you wish this was you? Don't you wish that you were just like me? Something like that? Let me tell you what happened because they took control. 
chaos. Generations, centuries of chaos happened because of it. Here it is. God eventually did allow Sarah to get pregnant. Hagar, uh, who, who was the mother of, uh, of, uh, of um, Ishmael, and, 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 and Sarah, the mother. No, no, no. Sarah was the mother of Ishmael. Y'all mess. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Isaac, thank you very much. Yeah, Sarah was Isaac. Y'all messing me up. It's Joe's fault. Joe, stop. <laughs> Got to blame somebody. Right, you're right. Hagar, Ishmael, Sarah, Isaac. Right. So here's what happens. There was an issue with the ladies. They're beefing. There's an issue with the sons. They're beefing. Gets to the point where Sarah tells Abraham, kick this chick out and her son because it's just too much turmoil. I don't want that kid to get the inheritance of our kid. Kick them out. And so they do, but God still blesses them. But the chaos ensued for centuries. They were warring against each other. Let me tell you how far it went. Religious wars to this day are still fought with descendants of Ishmael and descendants of Isaac to this day. The Muslims, descendants of Ishmael, Christians, descendants of Isaac to this very day. If you don't believe me, just check on CNN, C-SPAN, any of those stations, and you'll see there are warring now all because this is to this day, thousands and thousands of years later, because they made one bad decision to what? Take control. Do you see what happens when we take control? Generations upon generations upon generations, descendants upon descendants are cursed or jammed up down the line because we took control of a situation. Here's the thing. The truth of the matter is you think Sarah knows what's going on right now? You think Hagar knows? No, they've, they've, been, they've been dead and buried. But the truth of the matter is, we know. And because we know, we need to relinquish control to God. Because our story can make a new version of the Bible with your name and your descendants jammed up fighting a war because of a decision you made when you decided to take control of your circumstances or of people. Here's how many of us edge got out today. They, you know, some of y'all might be saying, I don't have no servants and I wouldn't do that, but let me make it current. Some of us edge got out, and I'm going to step on some toes, but I love you. When we dating certain people, we know we shouldn't be dating them, but we're so desperate for companionship, we're dating people that ain't even, they don't, they tell you, in a, they tell you to your face, I don't believe in God. I can change you. Let me introduce my God to you. Some of us get married to people of different faiths and believe that it'll work out. Will you? you know, love wins. Don't matter if you a Muslim and I'm a Christian. We're going to work it out. And it's like it won't work that way. 
because we're just so desperate. Some of us, we, 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 we try to take control of our finances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of us are guilty. I'm guilty of that. Y'all heard my story a few months ago. When things got tight, I stopped trusting God and worked at a security job for like a week. I made it through the training. Hmm. They paid me full time for it, but I made it through training. And it was crazy because I'm at the job and the people at the job were ministering to me. They're like, man, you, you came at the right time. And I realized God did have me at that security job for a season because they were really going through some spiritual warfare. And I just so happened to show up a pastor and literally, we, I mean, we were having service when we should have been securing a place. We having service in the office. We were playing 102.5 and just lifting hands, and we were having it. But as I was talking to them, I had to come to the realization, I'm trying to be in control of my finances. I'm trying to be in control of my future. I'm trying to take this will. When God is saying, I have created a path for you. As soon as we hear God has created a path, we think it's just the golden road, the, brick, the, the yellow brick road, it's full of beauty and glory and it's wonderful and the trees on the side are perfectly blooming and it's just beautiful. But when God said he's created a path, he never said it was going to be easy. He didn't say that path didn't have a few dips and dives. He didn't say that that path was smooth. He just said, I've created a path. But the minute we come to that path and it starts off smooth and walking down the yellow brick road, I envision, I like the Wiz version versus the Wizard of Oz. And I envision Mike, you know, and doing his little thing and Dinah Ross, you know, doing all that little stuff. I envision this, right? And I'm saying, that's how we are. We're happy. I'm walking down God's path. Uh Uh-oh, a hole. Let me dig myself out of this hole. Let me get myself out of this jam. And what happens? We look to the left, that path is smoother. As soon as I climb out of this, I'm going to leave this path and go over here because it don't have as many potholes. And we've just veered off the path that God has created us because we hit a what? A roadblock. Because we've hit a roadblock. Because we've hit a roadblock. I got some notes for you, but before I do that, I want you all to do me one really huge huge favor, and this is some life application. I want you to really ask yourself right now, think about it for a minute. It could be your job, your future, your spouse, anything. What are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? It could be even if you have health issues. What are you trying to control? It could be a career could be a business. could be anything. What are you trying to control? And once you have that, write it down, all caps, please. And, if, and, and I know we're not using computers, but like scribble it so it can be bold because that's important. And once you've discovered what that thing is you're trying to control, I want, I want to give you three questions, and then we're going to be getting out of here soon. I want to give you three questions to ask yourself every time you think about that thing you're trying to control and anything else you may try to control in your life. Ready? First question is, if you're taking notes, ask yourself this question. Is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? Now that you've asked yourself that question, I want you all to ask it out loud with me. 
Is it worth my concern? Say it again. Is it worth my concern? That thing that you're controlling right now, is it worth your concern? I love what Luke says in Luke 10, 41 through 42. It says this, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Just to put that little scripture in context, Jesus came to pay a visit to the crib, and they knew Jesus was on the way. House was a little bit messy. Dishes hadn't been put away just yet. You know, uh, so-and-so left the, the little robe on the couch and whatnot. You know, the house just wasn't up to standards. If Jesus, this Jesus, this the man coming, he coming over. And you ain't dust, mop, sweep, nothing. House is a mess. And we haven't even prepared a feast for him. And here you have Martha just worried and Mary just like, Jesus is here. Forget the house. I want to be in his face. What's up, dude? What you got for me? Can you heal me? I I don't even need healing, but just do it because I know you can do it. Jesus is here. Forget the mess. I know I left my drawers over there, but Jesus is here. Let me get in your face. Let's rap a bit. Touch me. Do something. Jesus is here. Are these dishes, this mess, this stuff, is it of my concern? And Jesus is telling her, no, you're worrying about the wrong thing. I'm here, and you, ain't, you don't even want to tap into this. I remember being at a conference one time, right? And uh, some of you may or may not know Mr. Uh, Dr. John Perkins. Phenomenal man, civil rights era. I mean, just a modern-day theologian with some civil rights history, incredible man of God. We're at this conference. We're having lunch, and this great, wise man is sitting by himself. And I'm saying, look at all these religious scholars ignoring this great man. I sat there, and I was like, I wish I had a notebook. And I was like, so how was it marching with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., because you really did that. And what happened on the Pettus Bridge? I mean, you got hit over the head. How did you survive that? I mean, how was it really? I just kept plugging him, plugging him. And then I asked, like, well, I mean, what did y'all do? And everything he said went back to prayer. And I'm like, look at all these great pastors just walking by this great man who's been and served and done some amazing things and, and, and has gone through some real persecution, and we're ignoring him. And, 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 and it's like I envision that moment. I'm saying, you guys are missing it. You're concerned about networking. Those people can't do half the stuff that this wise man can do for you. You're concerned about what we're going to eat afterward. Where are you going at? So-and-so is having a, a service tonight across the way. We were in California, by the way, at that time. And I'm saying, forget all of that. I'm sitting here in his face. And that's what Mary was doing. Forget the mess, sis. Let's meet with Jesus. And many of us need to ask ourselves that question. That thing that you want to control right now, is it really worth your concern? Or should it be something that God should be taking care of? Doesn't that feel good? Think about it. What if I don't have to worry about tomorrow, which you don't, by the way, Scripture says it. But what if I really just stop and say, you know what, I'm going to drop this and let God take it. Let Him take the wheel. I wonder what could happen. 
truth of the matter is, what if you actually did that? It can't get any worse than it already is for you, right? It can't. That's the truth. Next thing I want to share with you is a scripture called uh, James 4. I love what he says here. James 4, 13, 14. Today, you who say, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and, we, we will, and we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while, then it's gone. That scripture, in essence, is just saying these guys are talking about, man, tomorrow we're going to do this. Later on, we're going to do that. And he's like, you don't even know if you're going to be here later on. You don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. And you're so concerned about stuff tomorrow when you have an opportunity right now to praise and worship God. That was why earlier in this service, I really was desperate for you to get in the face of God and worship Him and thank Him and praise Him. You don't need a jam to do that. All you need is your testimony. And I know everybody in here has one. Second question I want you to ask yourself, is it for God alone? No, no, no. Sorry about that. Second question is, is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Say that with me if you would, please. Is it mine to control? Is it? Is your job yours to control? Is your future yours to control? Is your spouse yours to control? Are your kids yours to control? I will give you your pet. God says nothing about pets, but he certainly says about who we are just stewards over. Is it mine to control? The answer is sometimes yes. Sometimes yes. There is something you can do about some things. For instance, if you're in a financial mess, right? If your finances are jacked up, you can take a financial course. You can get a mentor. You can budget. You can cut back on spending. You can cut up all your credit cards if you have any. Does anybody still have credit cards? I mean, really? She's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't, I, man, that's been so long since I had a credit card. I just stay away from, y'all must not have gone through Dave Ramsey. That's what happens. We're going to offer Dave Ramsey in here again. And, and the next time I say that, I guarantee some of y'all won't have credit cards anymore. I don't. We've gone through Financial Peace University, which is something I highly recommend. I'm putting that. That can stay on the podcast. We don't have to remove it. I'm not getting paid to say that. Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University is phenomenal. If you've ever gone to a supermarket and see people break out this envelope with cash, they are uh, part of the Dave Ramsey plan. It is incredible. It will literally change your financial life. And he uses the Bible to do it. No, Robert Kiyosaki, the Bible. Real talk. It's crazy. Like, whoa, you mean the Bible can tell me how to spend money? You doggone right. The Bible says it, and it's not always about giving. 
It's about keeping. That's what Dave Ramsey teaches you. Keep. Keep so you can live like others. Live no, so you don't have to live like others. Something like that. If your marriage is a mess, can you fix it? Yes. Pray together. Get some counseling. Join a married couple small group. Have more date nights. Do a 21-day love dare challenge. Here's the other thing. This is for my single folk. Can that change? Absolutely. Some brothers, let me give you some advice. Shave. Brush your teeth. Put the Xbox down. Get off the sofa. Put some smell good on. My buddy Rod posted something about that, but it was to musicians, and I thought it was the most beautiful thing. He says, musicians, I think if we care more about our parents, you thought I wasn't paying attention. I was. If we care more about our parents, I think a lot of us would get more gigs. And I says, he is on to something. Thank God I was already in his category, and we were flowing. I was looking good already. But I think about it. It's like, man, there's some cats I would love to hire, but it's like stage is, man, you got to look good. We have to look good up there. And I'd done a gig with Rod before, and I looked at all the men up there. I was the only one that didn't have a bald head. But I think I, w- I was cute as they are. <laughs> I love that boy right there. Real talk. If you're single, you're male, do something about it. Here's the thing. You are out of order if you wait for a woman to come to you. You are out of order. That's not how God designed it. Oh, Lord, it's, it's some single women in here. Amen. Amen, brother. Pre- I ain't never had that many amens before. I might just stay on that. I might get a shout in a minute, Rod. <laughs> but since we're talking about ladies, if you're single, there's some things y'all could do. Like before you leave, take the little head wrap off, put that on the desk, put that on the thing. Make sure you took your house shoes off and put some nice shoes on before you left, okay? Do your hair. Do your hair. I mean, seriously, a ponytail is cute, but not all the doggone time, huh? I know you don't wear makeup, but a little lip gloss ain't going to hurt. A little eyeliner, you ain't got to go all out and do the different colors on the top and all of that shiny stuff. You ain't got to do that. But if that's your thing, cool. You ain't got to put the, you know, the, the lashes, all that stuff on. I mean, dude, just do you. But be presentable. You know? Be presentable. Smell good. A sister came in here this morning, and I hugged her. I said, what you wearing? It messed me up. I was trying to remember. I was like, I smell good. Ooh. Thank God I'm married. <laughs> she chuckling now. I won't call her out. But she's trying to catch something. Her hook is baited. You can change that. Don't go to the club. It's too loud. You ain't going to find the person you're looking for in the club. It's too loud. And when the lights come on, you're like, oh, you're a strobe light person. <laughs> All right, let me start. This ain't the Comedy Central. I'm just trying to help y'all. I'm just trying to help y'all. I should charge y'all for this kind of wisdom. For real. You have to do something. Is it yours to control in the first place? Some things, yes. Other things, no. You can't control your future. That's God's to control. You can't control your spouse. And when you find that person that's perfect for you, that God brings you, 
God sent them to you as is. Don't try to put your stuff on them and vice versa. I was guilty of that first couple years of our marriage. <laughs> what? Oh, my wife is chiming in. She was guilty of it, you know. But we found a happy compromise, a happy medium. And now 10 years later, love you, woman. Huh? The final question, and we're out. Is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? Whatever that thing is you're trying to control now, it'll be something else later, I know. But the thing now, is it for God alone to control? Philippians says this, four, chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. How many of us actually do that? I mean, let's be honest, not all of us. I'm, I'm guilty. I don't. I'm a pastor. My first thing to do is worry and, and turn on the Internet and begin to figure it out. And then I have to check myself, doggone it, man, what the words say? And then I relieve it, let it go. And God figures it out every single time. He has not failed me zero, not once. He's got a perfect winning streak in my book. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. I need to sit right there for just a half a second. Because what happens is, y'all tell God what you want. And then when He don't give you what you want, in your eyes, He failed you. And a lot of times, what you want ain't going to give God glory anyhow. And that's why He don't give it to you. The Word says He will give you what you what? Okay, two people heard that. The Word says He will give you what you what? He will give you what you need. Tell God what you need and thank Him. God, this is what I need, but thank you for already meeting the other needs. And thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can comprehend or understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds, and you will live in Christ Jesus. That's a shouting moment right there. Stop asking for what I want. Yeah, I want a bigger house, but do I need a bigger house? Uh uh. Man, I want another car. My wife and I have one car, and we have to share that vehicle. We are both busy. And we have to build our schedules around that one vehicle. And I say to myself, you know what, maybe we don't need another car. Because what is happening is God is allowing us more quality time together as a family. What great joy is that? I want another car, but I don't need another car. And there are some things that y'all been asking God for, and you have to really begin to check yourself right now. Do I want it? Do I need it? And don't try to justify it because I know y'all. But see, what, you know, no, don't try to justify it. Here's the thing. I want to I drive this home, and it's very important, and I'm going to ask some questions we're done. When you try to control what you can't, you become anxious. And anxiety is where depression and all of that stuff happens. Anxiety is where, where, where you begin to feel inadequate when you begin to feel like you can't do it, you begin to feel that God doesn't exist in your world because you are anxious because you try to do something that only God can do. 
I got some life application questions for you. And out loud, I want you all to respond. Can you change your spouse if you have one? Now, that's not a trick question for you married folk. That's a real question. Can you change your spouse if you have one? No. Can God change your spouse? What you can do is love them, pray for them, accept them as who they are, for who they are, and trust them to God. It ain't going to always be like gravy. Can you heal a loved one? Out loud. Out loud. Some people say yes. Some people have that power. But if you pray, God healed them, right? So the answer is no. Even if you're a doctor, you cannot heal them. You can fix them for a minute, but that don't mean they're permanently healed. You, you cannot remove cancer if they have cancer, right? But God can. What you can do, you can be obedient and pray for them. You can encourage them. You can help them get good medical advice. Can you control your future? Hmm? Absolutely not. Can God control your future? The Lord will provide. Quick story. The Lord will provide. Remember I told you about Abraham? And Abraham, what did he want more than anything? A son. And did God give him the son? Yes. And God also asked him to sacrifice his son. The one thing he wanted more than anything, God asked him to sacrifice. And Abraham took his baby boy. He had another one, but this is the one he asked for. This is the one that God promised him. He took his baby boy up on the mountain, laid him there on the altar, and grabbed that knife and was getting ready to finish him. And as he was going down, all of a sudden, God spoke, and he heard a ram in the bush. And God told him, no, don't kill your boy. I've provided a sacrifice for you to give unto me. God will provide. The one thing that Abraham wanted more than anything, God asked him to sacrifice. He was obedient and willing to do it. The story here is whatever you're trying to control, release it to God because He will provide the means, the resources, the strength, everything you need, God will provide. And when He did that, the Bible records that He called that place, that uh, Yahweh, I forgot the name of it, He called that place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. That mountain was called Yahweh Yireh, the Lord will provide. Only then, when you sacrifice and relinquish control to God, will you experience truly God being your provider. You'll never know that He is that if you are still holding on to something. You'll never know that He can take care of you if you are still holding on to something. You'll never know that He could actually take the wheel of your life unless you release it. 
There's cruise control, but then there's God's control. Cruise control, you still got to hold the wheel, but when you're in God's control, you can sit back, baby, like you in the airplane and trust that the pilot is going to get you to your final destination. Whatever it is you're trying to control right now, today, lay it on the altar. Close your eyes and let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, I thank you for being the pilot and allowing me to be just the co-pilot. God, I sit with bold confidence knowing that my life is indeed in your hands. I sit with bold confidence and gratitude knowing that because my life is in your hands, everything is going to be all right. Even in the midst of my circumstance, even as I stand in my stinky mess, I know that in the end of the day, you win. I thank you for being the best corner man there ever was and ever is. And as I take control and mess up a couple times and lose the battle every other round, you still guide my decisions. You still guide my direction. You still are in control. Thank you, God. I don't know what the challenge or control factor is in everybody's life here today, but I'm asking, oh God, if there is someone here under the sound of my voice who's been trying to control their life, who's been trying to make their own decisions when all they had to do was speak to you, I'm asking you, God, today to speak boldly and courageously into their heart. God, I want that person to lay whatever that thing is down on the altar and submit to a life that honors you. If I'm talking to that person today, we don't want to call you up here and embarrass you. Just raise your hand so that we can pray for you. I see you. I see you. I see you. God, all over this place, I'm asking you right now, as hands went up, seeking something great, Father God, seeking a change and laying down their lives on the altar, I'm asking, oh God, that you receive their requests. Many have been on bended knees, bruised knees for a long time, praying to you. Now, God, we no longer will try to control it, but we will literally live a life sort of like a free-for-all where we're trusting you completely. Bless everybody under the sound of my voice. And also, God, if you would, grant travel mercies for my family and I as we prepare to get on the road this week. Let us get safely to our destination. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.